Space Love Show for the love of music, lifestyle, well-being and culture while caring for our planet. On this show, I will be chatting with musicians, artists and creative minds that are living life on purpose by doing what they love. Welcome, Alana Fairchild, to One Space Love for the second time. How are you today? I'm great. It's lovely to talk to you. It's been a long time. A lot has happened in that time, I have to say. Hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just before we went on air, we were just talking about how we both felt like, well, I was, you know, speaking for myself, like a bit of a hermit and and that creative flow is now um, coming through again. Is that how you've been feeling? Yeah, it was funny. Sort of in the lockdown itself, it's a little bit like the weather in a way, you know, when it's kind of maybe a bit rainy or stormy outside, I get quite introspective and I kind of want to naturally go within and when it's sort of sunny and bright, you want to connect and you just energetically open up. It's felt a lot like that, like the lockdown is kind of this prolonged thunderstorm where you kind of just want to turn within and I've been writing and producing a lot of different things but just probably the last couple of weeks I've been feeling this sense of like a change in the weather the psychic weather and and just wanting to start to to open up and and reach out again and connect yeah definitely been feeling that as well (laughs) um can we just go in and, and introduce you to the listeners by answering the statement I am I'm, I was going to say a mad woman. I don't know that, that yeah. <laughs> that's educational, though. I like that. Uh, <laughs> no, go with it. Just to go with a man, a woman. A mad woman. Um, I am Alana Fairchild. I write and sing and commune with the spiritual worlds on a daily basis. And my sense of purpose in this world is to help people connect to their hearts and drop into the depth of the soul that is in this constant beautiful communication with these vast interdimensional energies that are rich with goodwill, generosity and grace, and I want to share that. Mm. And this is our second interview, but can you share now for the listeners, how did you tapped into that presence and and who do you call upon you know like to be with you on um in that divine presence that we're talking about yeah Mm. I always kind of had this sense of connection with the spiritual world it was very natural for me as a child I used to kind of as a kid lay on the ground in my backyard in my childhood home and look at the sky and just sense that it was not an empty space it was a divine intelligence I always felt that and you know going to the park wasn't about just going to, I don't know, hang out with trees. I actually felt like I was communing with the spirits of those trees. I still feel that way. To me, trees Mm. are these living beings with intelligence. And so it's always kind of been there. And I think the only thing that really changed is that I became aware that not everyone felt that way, uh, first of all. Yes. And then I sort of had a sense of how people behaved and how they saw the world if they didn't feel that way. And it was 
kind of terrifying and life's difficult at times. It truly is. And I think if there are ways that we can alleviate some of the suffering, you know, the non-essential suffering, some things it's just difficult and it's difficult for everyone, but there's certain aspects of suffering that we don't always have to have. And it tends to be the suffering of kind of a, a particular viewpoint or interpretation of events that reinforces a sense of loneliness or fear or anxiety and disconnection and you know, when I tune into the spiritual worlds and, and feel their presence, um, which I do, you know, kind of all the time, it's the opposite of those things, you know. It, it doesn't take away the difficulty of being human, goodness knows, because we're kind of here to grow and learn. I sort of think of being human as an advanced spiritual school. But it does give us some sense of meaning and depth and the feeling that, you know, like if you're running a really long race and you're just really like you're damn tired and then somehow on the, you know, is it the bleachers? They call it on the side or the yes, people, yes. you know, your mum's there with the sign <laughs> We love you. Keep going. And there's like your yeah, yeah. You you kind of your fans are there to support you. The spiritual world to me is like this amazing, you know, coach cheerleading department that kind of guides and empowers and supports. And I think the more we have of that in the world, the better because you know it's just tough sometimes. And I think a lot of people have really been feeling tested through. through COVID and lockdowns and all the political stuff that's been going on the last couple of years especially. And, you know, it can really test us to learn how to deal with things in a different way, especially mentally. You know, there's been a lot of emphasis on that too, dealing with our emotions and learning to have some mental mastery when situations are outside of your control and you still want to live a constructive life and, you know, and and deal with things as as well as you can. Mm. I don't know if I answered so for that question. Is, no, it's no, you did beautifully. Um, you did, of course, you Good. did. Good. So to reassure people, because um, you're obviously able to have a, an awareness of certain presence, and and you know that you're saying that you felt different to others, but others because it is a difficult time for many at the moment, um, and there is a lot of heightened anxiety and um, change occurring daily that that you have to adapt to constantly. How would um, how would you um, advise others to to start to tap into that and to start to recognise that presence within you know if they do go to the park what what are some some tips we could give the listeners yeah I think probably the first thing I would say is just create a little bit of space it's mm. like say if you're sitting down for a conversation with your like favourite person on the planet and probably you know, maybe you haven't seen them for a while. And the first thing you might want to do is just like talk, blah, blah, all this stuff's been going on, blah, 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 blah. But once mm. you get that out, you then you kind of want to hear what they have to say. And, and so you create a little bit of space to actually be able to listen and and take in what it is that this favourite person of yours wants to share with you. And I feel connecting with spiritual guidance, no matter what your belief system, you know, you might believe in a supreme divine being or in a bunch of different beings or just in a kind of intelligence of life and the universe or you might not even be sure but you kind of think well maybe something some intelligence is out there maybe it can help whatever your belief system is creating a little bit of space to receive is the first thing and the way that we do that is kind of it's a bit of a mental game it's sort of giving yourself permission to not have to know what the answer is and, and giving yourself permission in that unknowingness to have a kind of 
open expectancy or readiness to receive something, whether it's a, a feeling or um, just an understanding. It, it doesn't necessarily unfold like a conversation. It, it can do as we learn how to develop that capacity to listen, but it doesn't always. Sometimes it's much more subtle. You kind of ask a question and you allow for that answer to come and it, it might come days later when you're suddenly driving and something occurs to you or you're in the shower and you suddenly think, oh, my gosh, I don't have yes. to worry about this. You know, it's just this sort of the answer is always given. It's really just about our receptivity. So I think, you know, having that sense of you deserve to have that connection and there are beings that want to offer that to you and then creating that little bit of space. So that's the first thing I would say. And you can do that sitting on a park bench. You can do it at home. You can do it with a cup of tea in the afternoon looking at, you know, the birds going crazy as the twilight Mm. starts to approach. Like whatever it is that kind of works for you, it it allows you to just be present and be a little bit kind of open. There's a a story that I love about Monet. I don't know if I told you this story last time we talked. No, no, tell me. So it's a story that he had a nosy neighbour <laughs> and he was sitting in a um, like a reclining chair in his garden, which I think had like beautiful water lilies and things and was part of how he got inspired to do his painting. And he um, was lying there and he was in a kind of restful state and his nosy neighbour stuck his head over the fence and said, oh, you know, you're resting. And he he said, no, I'm working. Like, And, and that was that. And then... <laughs> Then the next day, Monet was painting, you know, and and the guy stuck his head over the fence and said, "Oh, you're working." And he said, "No, now I'm resting." And I, uh, I, love, <laughs> I love that story mm. because it just it's that same energy with spiritual communication that you have with any creative work. You you kind of you're in that mm. receptive space, and that's part of the work. And then when it flows, you're active and you're doing. You think, but that's that's the response, and so it's that receptivity, so important. Oh, that is such a gem that you've just shared there because it, 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 it yeah. I What I've been gathering in, in this time of, you know, being in our home so much is that creating more space and, yeah, I love that because through that space I've been able to listen and feel into what is creatively coming through me. So I think we're almost coming back to a full circle of where we started is just by creating more space and that can be by, you know, um, decluttering or it could be by sitting and and listening more. I mean, all of these things, but in that doing and that space that we create, um, we're receptive to what's to come. Yeah. Yeah. But I love that story. Yeah. I love that energy yeah. of space too. There's in the um, in the Dzogchen tradition, like from the Himalayas, it's this sort of obscure spiritual tradition that teaches the kind of most direct path to enlightenment. It's quite intense and sort of demanding, but it's very beautiful. And they they teach that space is the primary spiritual ground of our being. It's not actually, you know, we talk about grounding and we come into our body and and that's important, but they have a different perspective and they say you are actually spaciousness and everything else kind of emerges from that. So from that I always Mm. had this sense of, you know, sometimes physical space is not something that we can control. And, you know, I think about people like, Nelson Mandela or Gandhi who are in different situations where they had to kind of connect with their spiritual power in order to stay in their integrity as beings and what they were here to do as humans. And there's something about 
this challenge at the moment with limitation on what we can do physically and some people are maybe living in a smaller place and they can't go to work and, you know, they're kind of cramped in and literally experiencing this struggle with mm. space. But the empowerment of this notion that our inner space is vast and is our, you know, primary state is that it doesn't matter on the spiritual path what's happening externally you can I mean it's difficult it challenges the mind sometimes it challenges the body but you can always have that sense of going within and opening up to experience that spaciousness and I remember once I was just coming out of a really difficult breakup actually and I was so worried about it because I had all this work to do and I didn't want to be consumed by grief and I was just like but I thought but I need to work through it and Around that time, I had a dream of my uh, Zogchen master. He'd already left his body, but he popped up in the dream. And I still remember he was Mm. sitting on this park bench and I sat next to him and I said, I'm so worried. I've got all of this, like, you know, it was like crazy emotion. I had all of this stuff. How am I going to process it? You know, and he just smiled at me and it was like his whole being in my dream, just all of that stuff, all of the worry, all of the emotion, it kind Mm. of, dropped into him and it evaporated and and I I woke up from that dream and I thought what was that and I thought oh he has that degree of spaciousness in his being and it's like we all have that but we forget and it, it was just this sense that the more you've got to process the more mental stress or emotional anxiety or whatever the more you tune into that spaciousness and just allow yourself to feel it that stuff it, it can dissolve it can break up it's like you have a bit of breathing space internally and you, and you can process it more readily. And mm. in Zogchen they talk about self-liberating. So it's like the things they self-liberate, it's like they literally return to spaciousness, they drop their outer form. And this is kind of esoteric. I don't think we'd be talking about this. but I love I like, this. I think you're, you're, yeah, you're talking yeah. straight to me right now. Oh, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad. Mm. It, it was so beautiful and I thought I wanted after that dream to have a sense of, being able to return to that and, and really connect to that again and again and, and learn how to grow that spaciousness within. So, you know, no matter what is happening around me and when there were difficult things, you know, which we have as human beings to deal with emotionally, I had this confidence that I'd be able to grow my connection with my inner spaciousness to be able to process it. And it just, what I loved about it, it was so effortless. The effort was actually just in the holding of that space I think I had in my head because of past experiences you had to get in there and almost like you know hammer and tongs and (laughs) work it out and what does this mean and how do I do this and it was so much exertion (laughs) uh, so much exertion and this was just this feminine receptive and then I thought that's smart (laughs) it's efficient Mm. and smart and kind I love that you're sharing this right now. It's exactly what I needed to hear and I'm hoping what, you know, listeners that are listening um, can resonate with this as well because, you know, being in this situation, a lot of emotions are coming up to the surface and because we're not physically able to, you know, walk along the beach or go to a yoga class or go for an extensive bushwalk, it is getting quite stagnant and I feel the emotion, it's almost I was explaining to a friend like a pressure cooker of emotions and I've just realised in the last, um, uh, I think would only be the last month that 
okay, I can just, and with beautiful people around me, you know, guiding me just to allow these emotions to come up, but then creating space and and letting it, and, and that feminine energy. Because I really think this time, and I, we spoke on it a year ago, the feminine energy is rising and it's, you know, the masculine is there, but it's like the feminine is really coming through. Can we talk a little bit about the yeah. feminine energy? Because you mentioned we're going into the, this new time of the feminine coming through. Have we gone through that now and where what is it. happening? Yeah, I think yeah. we're in it. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, when you describe the world at the moment or the experiences for a number of people like a pressure cooker, definitely. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I agree with that, absolutely. And it's a hallmark of initiation, you know, pressure. And initiation is essentially the kind of, um, it's like an exam for the soul. It's <laughs> like a spiritual test. And things get more and more difficult until we eventually um, realise that we can't keep, you know, using our defence mechanisms or our coping mechanisms in the way they fail us. Something fails us. In this case, it's the system yes. and society that's not able to deal with what's happening without these kind of very unnatural kind of lockdowns and things that are inhibiting people and it's the imposition of this these limitations and these blocks and obstacles and you know from a spiritual perspective that's what happens through initiation you meet something that is uh, not able to be overpowered by you uh, and so you mm -hmm. have to figure out internally how to grow and develop and adapt in order to deal with it and, and that's kind of the nature of the spiritual path and I think the feminine is really about finding a sense of trust that there is an instinctive intelligence within us that knows how to adapt and knows how to work with any circumstance or any situation to somehow distill the best out of it, just like Earth Mother mm -hmm. is able to fertilise plants with, you know, um, waste. How amazing that she can do that. It's kind of mm -hmm. incredible. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of, it's an inspiration in a way. It's like no matter how much rubbish gets thrown at you, <laughs> your soul knows yeah. how to work with that and distill something beautiful. It might be wisdom or compassion or courage or realisation that you're a lot stronger than what you thought you were or you know yes. any number of things um more yeah. creative you know able to to respond to things and not lose your center um which is kind of what happens as we move through initiation so the feminine is really about trusting in our innate capacity to receive what's happening and, and to not uh try to cling on to it or avoid it but but just be with it and say okay this is happening how how do I want to respond to it and I think you know the masculine energy definitely has a role but the problem is if we kind of lean into the masculine without doing the work around reclaiming the feminine first we tend to kind of grab a hold of everything and try to fix it you know <laughs> come up with mm. the solution come up with it there's nothing wrong with that necessarily but if if we're leading with that, we often don't realise that, you know, before you want to fix something, you know, let's figure out what's actually going on. You know, maybe there is something yeah. else that's trying to emerge through this process. Maybe there's something of value that's hidden in here that you wouldn't find if you're busy, you know, just fixing it and cleaning it up before you have a chance to fully experience it. So the feminine really is about empowering us with that sense that we can trust life even when we don't know why things are happening and we don't have a plan. <laughs> the plan might come mm. later, but the feminine is very much about recognising that there is this intelligence that we can trust. And I think what's happening for a lot of people, you know, it is 
this kind of rising up of emotion, bringing the body to consciousness. You know, there's a huge movement around that, around becoming conscious. And it's like, well, what does that actually mean? And, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's very much about bringing the body and the experiences that are stored in the body, which have been largely unconscious, into our conscious awareness and grappling with them so that they can be released. And a lot of us are being forced to do that at this time because we can't, as you say, discharge it the way we normally would by, I don't know, going to the gym or whatever. We have yes. to find, yeah, um, a different way. And it's temporary. So I kind of always said if it was temporary, you know, it's evolving. It's not always going to be this way. But whilst we're in it, you know, the wise approach or the feminine approach would be to say, okay, this is happening. How can I work with it in the most, you know, constructive way possible? And if I can't get out there and assert myself, and I find that the people that are struggling profoundly with this time yes, are often um, those that are more used to operating in the masculine. So they're used to getting out there, they get stuff done, they, are, you know, are very comfortable in that part and now they're thrown back into this place of I can't assert myself in the way that I normally would and if if that's uncomfortable for you, you know, as a, a person who's going through this, then it can be really confronting. I mean, I'm quite mm. comfortable in that and I still find it challenging so I'm not, you know, saying yes. it's, it's nothing but yes. I think there's a real learning edge um, for certain people when they haven't developed that feminine part of their consciousness and they're kind of being forced to do it a little bit um, mm. or a lot at the moment. Mm. Definitely, yeah. You can see that a lot with people that how they're all responding differently at the moment. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah. It is interesting. Um, and talking about the feminine energy, you're currently running a workshop which is Mother Mary's energy, Rosa Mystica. Yeah. Should we follow on with that now with the feminine energy? And because that's yeah. very much what we're talking about, that yeah, learning that how to, to drop into that feminine and bring in that energy of the grace and and love and divine presence. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because it's a classic example. Like I wrote that in January and I had no idea why. I was <laughs> sitting down to write this course and I um it's the um it's supposed to be a short course, but it's my version of a short course, which means it's like ninety thousand words of text and about you know wow. fourteen videos. It's ridiculous. It's like, but it's still it's um, very open, so anyone could connect with it. And it's different because my other courses that I've written, they are a little bit more um, for people that have had some experience on the path. Um, and so I, I still remember I, I sat down to record the first video and I started speaking and then I could just hear her say no <laughs> and I stopped and I thought I'm getting Amazing. too yeah I got you out there and it was just like simple you know make it simple and I was like okay and so the whole course was written from this perspective of how could I write in a way that someone who was entirely new to the spiritual path you know could connect with this and the funny thing was as I was writing it I learned a lot and I've been doing this work for like 20 years and I thought this is, it was really beautiful to me because I felt, you know, this could be for advanced people as well. Like there's always something to learn in the simplicity and that's one of the things mm. I really love about Mother Mary. She's she's very much around, like I feel her energy so strongly in my own life but also on the planet. Like every time humanity's going through, I call them birthing pains, spiritual birth pains, which we're in a pretty major one at the moment. Um, but I sense her and, and it's just this 
feeling of this simplicity but like come back to the heart don't get stuck in your head don't try and be a lone wolf like it can be really hard for people who naturally don't really resonate with mainstream society and and those particular belief systems sometimes you can end up feeling a little bit like a, a lone wolf you know and you've got to Mm-mm. do everything yourself and and she's very much about you know allow your connection with the divine to be like this sort of sacred symbiosis where you're fed by it and and as you receive it it can flow and you actually empower it by allowing yourself to be helped it can flow into the world and then you help other people and it's a win-win spirit loves you know those situations where everyone and everyone benefits so it was this beautiful sense of simplicity. And then it was just sort of sitting there in January and then all of just throughout the year somehow it kind of popped into my consciousness and I thought, oh, it's time. Um, and so it's just starting now. Um, it's September is our first month and, yeah, and it's beautiful. We have this quite large group um, and enrolments are still open for it. We have a special offer until the end of September and, yeah, it's just going really well and I just feel her. Um, I feel her love. But mm-hmm. to me, she's also, she's a cosmic being. Like she manifests as Mary, but she also manifests as Kuan Yin, the goddess Isis, um, Freya, that to me these are all the same mm-hmm. being. They've just got their different, you know, moods in a way. We're in a different outfit kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a bit more about them? Because I, I I have many of your cards and I I love all all of the messages that you share. So can we talk a bit about the different feminine um, energies, Isis, Freya, that you mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. Um, One of the things I love about the divine and another form of her is Tara as well. Um, Yes. Yeah. And one of the things I love about the divine intelligence is how responsive it is and how creative um, I mean, you think about the names for God sometimes in various religious traditions, you know, the creator is one of the names. It's sort of like that is what spiritual energy is, this creative, regenerative, resourceful energy. And my feeling is that those different forms, they're not only cultural, you know, in this day and age with media and uh, the internet and we have kind of much thinner veils between us much thinner boundaries and I think it's possible for someone to I don't know maybe they're raised in the United States and they connect somehow with um, Viking spirituality or you know culture of Scandinavia they might not have any biological connection there but somehow it speaks to them at this heart level and they might Mm -hmm. learn about Freya who's like just this beautiful very sassy powerful bold kind of goddess from that Norse tradition and you know, they may feel this deep kinship with her, which to me I think is beautiful. Um, and it mm. can happen in many different ways. So you, you have Freya, you have Isis who arises from the ancient Egyptian tradition and she's amazing um, and quite universal. Like one of her um, names was the goddess of 10,000 names. Like she's just, again, that sense of absolute multiplicity. And, and the idea of that is that no matter what's happening or what we need, um, male, female, gender fluid, doesn't matter, old, young, whatever, whatever circumstances in our life, there is some perfect responsiveness and expression of the divine that will meet you with exactly what you need at that moment. Almost like mm. the divine's like a multivitamin tablet and if you <laughs> you take it in and your body knows how to break up, the different parts and take the different vitamins for the different parts of your body that need it. It's kind of like that energy 
doesn't matter what form we connect with it, our soul knows how to kind of take the different parts when we need strength, when we need kindness, when we need clarity, when we need to kick up the pants and when we need an energy to just Mm -mm. say, just be kind, like just settle a little bit, don't be so hard on yourself. So it, it has this sense of this multiplicity about it. Um, I wrote a book about the different forms of Kuan Yin transmission, which um, I received a real inspiration for when I was travelling through the Himalayas and at this sacred lake in Tibet. It was just stunning, really beautiful. Um, And it wasn't just the altitude sickness that was making it surreal. It was just just amazing. Um, But these these different forms... um, yeah, I could just talk about them forever, really. Um, but Kuan Yin is another one, the goddess of compassion. And, yeah, it's just these expressions of the Divine Mother in particular, these goddesses, these yeah, emanations of the feminine. Mm. Mm. I don't know any woman that's just one thing, right? <laughs> so the, the Divine uh, Woman, of course, is many things and all things. I definitely think that we are learning more and more how to embrace all these parts of ourselves. It's something I'm looking at at the moment because there are so many sides to the feminine. That's why I wanted you to to bring that up. Yeah, Yeah. I love that. I mean, one of my favourites is Carly who's like super fierce and terrifying and and yet we need her. She's like, she's tough love, mm. but she she is to me, you know, we're talking about space and spaciousness. To me, she is like the cosmic womb and the receptive spacious function. So I know instinctively that I'm always drawn to her when there's something that is so intense or so difficult to comprehend or grasp that I need a bigger kind of energy around me to be able yeah. to not collapse into it. And, and I'll always know you know, if I'm getting at that point where in order to deal with what's happening on the planet, you know, and stay in my integrity spiritually, if I'm starting to judge, if I'm getting um, despairing or if I'm feeling fatigued, yeah, it's like, oh, I'm at my compassion edge. I need to like stretch. I need to find more of that capacity to be able to, you know, respond to that and not collapse out of my centre. And that's, those are the moments usually when I really feel Carly, um, because it's like we need more of that space like we were talking about in the beginning. So she's really, um, she's fierce, but she has gentle forms. And that's that that sense, again, of the multiplicity of the feminine. She takes all forms, you know. I think we talked about Tara last time, but, you know, she'll assume the form of a car Mm -hmm. if you need it or, (laughs) you know, a piece of information Mm -hmm. or a teaching or the right bit of medical advice or whatever. Like she's just, she's unlimited. And, And I think that gives us a confidence you know, especially when you're dealing with constant uncertainty. If you if you are still in your control complex when all this is going on, I really feel for you because it would just be your undoing. Because <laughs> it, yes. it just, it, it, you can't pin anything down at the moment. It keeps shifting every no. five seconds. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you Goodness need to know. Me, it sure does. You need to be adaptable. <laughs> you do. And, and I think you need to mm. know that the divine has that capacity to respond to whatever's happening and, and it's not, you know, locked into one thing. And I, and I think that gives us a confidence to trust and to say, yeah. okay, if I have a spiritual practice, whether it's reading oracle cards or meditating or dancing with awareness to music that I like mm. or, you know, just reflecting with that, you know, cup of tea and looking at nature, whatever kind of works for you. But Listening that, to the birds. And, yes. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, just dropping in and, and trusting that it's enough. 
Talking about the energy of Tara and um, Kali Yuga, isn't it? The yeah. the feisty. What does is Medusa one of those energies as well? Because I was talking about Medusa with a friend and just how to embody that at the moment. Because I think we also need to, you know, very much um, we were just reflecting on like boundaries, you know. So yeah. you know, is that some of the energy of just really drawing in that that strength? you know, not only from above but from below and really integrating that and... Yes, yeah, totally. I'll let you expand on that. (laughs) But I'm finding like going out with the children... there's a lot of energy everywhere and I'm and I'm very much an empath and I'm, I'm sure the listeners will know that by all the conversations I've had. I'm very sensitive. I need nature to calibrate myself and to to um to shift the energy that that I that I take from others. So it's it's about learning different ways to do that at the moment. So yeah. you can help the listeners with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because the more open you become, the more you know, and especially when you're sensitive and you're developing that, you know, you're clearing your stuff and you're working on yourself, it, it does open you up. And mm. I, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm in a really vulnerable space, I can just attract people like a, <laughs> a moth to a flame kind of thing. I find yeah. that a lot of sensitives are like that. And and generally it's, you know, it's the people that want to offload um, that, that you can tend to attract. They just, they kind of sense that and they just, it's unconscious usually, but it's sort of like, well, you can have compassion, but also it's like, well, how do I deal with that? And setting mm. a kind of, yeah, an energetic boundary. And it doesn't have to be a defensive sort of thing. It might sound like an odd thing to say, but I find for me, um, like I remember once, I'll tell you this ridiculous story, but I... <laughs> I met this man um, and we went on a, a date and it was a disaster and I knew the beach that he normally went to and I was, I was living down on the south coast area at the time and I thought I don't want to see him the next day but I really wanted to go to the beach. So I thought I'm going to go to a different beach. I put down my towel. Two seconds later he's standing right above me going, I, I knew I'd see you here and I'm thinking, oh, my God, and it's just <laughs> what you resist persists right (laughs) Mm. so I think you know when you're setting a boundary it's not about having to you know push away but it but it is about kind of and this is that feminine energy it's Kali's associated with base chakra so it's very much about kind of grounding and feeling rooted to earth and to your own essence and from feeling that strength within you, you know, it's not shutting out, but it's just, it's almost, she can be quite a repelling energy in a way, but you don't try to push Mm. away. You just almost uh, surrender and allow her to come through. There's a beautiful story about um, a divine being called Narasimha, who's a masculine being, but he's like Mm. a fierce avatar of uh, Vishnu who is the god of um, the heart and and stability and peace and love and, you know, in the Hindu tradition. And uh, Narasimha manifests, again, it's this divine resourcefulness that uh, we were talking about before, but he manifested to protect a very pure-hearted, gentle being who, you know, had the curious karma of being born. Um, His father was a demon king, like... (laughs) You know, damn it, you know, Mm. so his dad wanted him to kind of continue the family business and he didn't want to. He wanted to be a mystic and just love, um, I think it was Krishna that he was devoted to. But anyway, when his father eventually realised that he couldn't convert him to his way of sort of the evil path, he got very angry 
and he decided to order his kind of assassination of his son and this divine being. And so he didn't know any of this, uh, Shri Prahlad, the, the young, innocent, pure-hearted boy, and he didn't know any of this, but he prayed for divine assistance and this fierce lion-headed, you know, deity manifested um, to take care of him. And I like that story. I mean, I can go into more depth, but I won't. I, I just the mm-hmm. essence of why I like that story is because there is this sense that we don't always know what we need, but the divine does. And we, you know, if you're a okay. more sensitive type, which I am, for example, I don't naturally do well in a kind of defensive or aggressive posture. Like for me to get angry, it takes quite a bit, and it's usually over like that. You know, I get pretty fierce, but then it's done. But I would much rather be able to just rest in my heart and allow the energy to kind of come through that needs to come through. And it it has happened for me at different times where someone has just, you know, not been right, you know, not been right for me and and the energy kind of comes through and it's not even conscious necessarily but it's there. And for us to have that, we just need to connect with it on a regular basis so that it's sort of um, it's like, uh, like doing an exercise. If you do a certain exercise, mm-hmm. you get a body memory and then when you mm. kind of need to do that exercise again after a while, even if you haven't done it for a period of time, you kind of go, oh, yeah, I remember this, sort of there. It's when we connect with these energies through might be prayer or meditation or just thinking about them from time to time, we start mm. to build up that sense of familiarity, almost like being able to sing that note or that song lyric, you know, you go, oh, yeah, I remember this. And it, it sort of just kicks in uh, quite easily mm. when we're, you know, talking to people or, or whatever sort of happens. Mm. But it's important. I love that. Yeah. It's definitely an important sharing for many of the listeners that are sensitive, like myself and yourself. Yeah. Talking about that bringing the music through, we're going to share um, some beautiful songs and and you have been sharing music from, from when you started. Music's been a big part of your creative path. When did, I haven't asked you this before, when did music come through you like when did did you pick up an instrument how did you find your voice and 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 music to come through you um I don't know if I've ever told this but one of my earliest memories and I must have been pretty young but we had and now I'm showing my age a um a cassette recorder same age as me you're (laughs) one year younger than me (laughs) you remember that technology the cassette recorder yeah yeah I was a little girl and we had the tape recorder and I used to record um, and I'd sing little songs or um, and speak into it and then I don't think I ever listened to them again I think I just erased it and recorded something else but so for a long time I had this sense of recording and I this sounds like a weird thing to say but the thing that I like about media and I also I like it about um, film as well and and audio Mm. and sound Mm. especially I, I don't know how but your spirit can go in to the sound and and I know with music I like to kind of it it just sort of happens but you feel like your spirit's going in like I'm just finishing up a new album um a Rumi album based on the poetry of Rumi it's beautiful and we're working with different world musicians just just to evoke this world And, and the whole time when I was um singing and preparing to go into the studio it was like being immersed in Rumi for several months um, mm. which was just amazing he's such a beautiful being um, and so free and, and wild and, and when it, and it was sort of in the midst of a lot of this stuff happening now and 
just to feel that sense of this incredible spiritual freedom whilst having so many limitations physically was kind of incredible. Um, but, yeah, I just, there was something about that sense of being so sort of spiritually potentiated from within that no matter what the negativity was around, you know, people offloading stuff or whatever, um, it almost couldn't get through as readily as it normally would. And I think there's mm. something, you know, for sensitive people especially around um, what it, what is it that fills you, you know, what is it that nourishes you and and what is it that strengthens your heart. Um, and music and beauty is, is what does that for a lot of people and mm. in, um, Chinese healing in um, things to do with acupuncture and they talk about meridian lines and whatever, there's an energy in the heart shen. It's kind of the heart energy and it's nourished by, you know, filling the mind with things that are beautiful and um, and that connect you with grace and whatever that is. Like you might be a visual person, an auditory person, but music to me is something that tends to kind of cut through a lot of different belief systems and just speaks to the soul. And I think that's Rumi's poetry does that for me too. And apparently he's one of yes. the, if not the best-selling poet in America, which is fascinating, um, you know, with his um, Persian <coughs> heritage. It's just, it's really fascinating. Mm. So... I just, yeah, I, I felt really drawn to that and was playing the piano from a little girl and was singing for as long as I can okay. remember. Yeah. Well, one of the songs we're going to share is, excuse me if I don't pronounce it right, Vahar Satra. Vajrasattva, yes, yeah, Vajrasattva. Vajrasattva, yeah. Um, from the Qan Yin transmission and and then also the Qan Yin transmission and the Gypsy from Sacred Rebels. Yeah. Do you want to touch on one of these tracks? <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, Vajrasattva yeah, yeah. is the Buddha of infinite light. So the story with him is that no matter what you're dealing with, um, you can kind of call in this beautiful white light, like he's the Buddha of white light, and imagine that everything that's being washed out of you is somehow going to feed a being who can be nourished by it. So even if it's rubbish for you, you're clearing it out, emotional rubbish, somewhere in the dimensions of existence, some being will think that's just scrumptious and delicious and want to feast on it. So it's kind of like you Mm -hmm. imagine that all beings are being fed while you're being cleared. Mm. And the and the sacred rebels. I recently bought this this um, deck of cards from you, and I absolutely am loving them. It was divine timing when I bought them. So the song Gypsy is that. Tell me about that. <laughs> so, so Gypsy. Um, I Got first came across that word when I was listening to the. Um, oh, there's the deck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So beautiful. I love that deck. I'll show it to everyone. Yeah, it's really about um, connecting to your authenticity. And, and gypsy was a word that I first came across um, when I was listening to Stevie Nicks sing um, when she was in Fleetwood Mac, back in the whenever that was, yeah. a long time ago. And I loved it. And there was something about that spirit, that sense of freedom, um, whether you're applying it to Romani people, travellers, or whether it's just kind of something that's sort of in your imagination. But I wanted to kind of sing about what that felt like to me, which is this sense of freedom and just kind of being moved by the the sun uh, and following it. So that's what that song is about. I think my last questions I'm going to go to for today is, and this is probably a question for me and the listeners, <laughs> when we pick up one of your decks, what would be some guidance you could give us on how we could, you know, someone that's 
picking them up for the first time. How could we use this in this time at the moment to give us some guidance or one of those messages? Is there anything you want to share on that? I mean, I know from my experience, but just for the listeners. I think one of my favourite questions, and I use this all the time and whenever I'm doing a reading for myself, unless there's something specific that I know I want to answer, and even then sometimes I still use this question, I say to the beings who love me unconditionally, what do I most need to know right now? Mm. And and because I... (laughs) Because I think the path is like little cosmic breadcrumbs and we often want to know, you know, down there, but sometimes that's completely irrelevant if we have to just deal with a couple of things here first. So I kind of trust there's something good, but I I ask for just what do I need to know right now? And I think that's enough to cope with for any human being really. (laughs) I I love that. And actually talking about coping for every human being, one of the things I love that you shared on one of your latest videos, so please go over to Alana Fairchild's YouTube and and follow her on all the socials as well. Um, She has an incredible global following. I mean, it's just extraordinary. We we did mention in the first episode we went to the same school um, in Sydney and we were a year apart, but it's so beautiful to witness what you have done for humanity and for Mother Earth and by by following your purpose and by being a creative soul and and your acts of service. So, you know, thank you for that. One of the things you mentioned is care rather than self-care. Let's finish up on that today. Yes, it came through in a, um, I'm writing an oracle at the moment uh, based on divine feminine shamanism and it was actually, it came through in that and Mm -hmm. it was essentially saying when you, connect with all of life you release this idea of selfishness around you know concerns about self-care being indulgence or or selfish and instead you recognize that caring for the self is caring for life Mm. thank you (laughs) that is a beautiful you know way to end today's chat and thank you so much for taking time during these unusual times that we're all you know in our isolation thank you so much for joining up joining me on one space love it's always a pleasure and i hope to see you in person someday really soon that sounds great lots of love to you lots of love to all your beautiful listeners hang in there guys (laughs) yay thank you so much 